thrown down to Goblin Town with America's most subterranean podcast, The Pod People. I'm Sheriff Dipshit Matisse Van Rossum. I'm Ben Sheets, and I just got out of a swim in the shithole. Fuck me. I'm Gordon Ramsay being slowly lowered down a fucking well into the fucking darkness. Fucking hell, this is deep. Jesus Christ. Hi, I'm Cleveland Mosher. Thank you for putting up with my bad Gordon Ramsay impression. We'll let you get away with it just this once. Excellent. The, bo- the, the boys are back. Year of the sequel rolls on. And from our sequel list this week, I have chosen The Descent 2 for us to talk about. This is, of course, the sequel to 2005's The Descent, directed by Neil Marshall. Uh, but this is not directed by Neil Marshall. This is directed by John Harris. And uh, it came out in 2009, four years after the original Descent. And it sure is a movie where they go back underground and fight some goblins. I think there's a missed opportunity here not to name this movie Step Up to Descent. <laughs> The descent step down to, to the, the caves. caves. <laughs> That's right. Step up to the, the streets. That's yeah. the title. Yeah, yeah. This feels like an like a totally contractually obligated people. <laughs> like yeah, they were like, well, we have to do one. So yeah, and this is a case where nah, you really didn't. You really didn't have to do another one. But here we are. But they did. Yeah, I, I don't know if uh, if the first Descent was, like, commercially successful or not. Um, I I sure love it. It's it's one of my favorite horror films of all time. Cult-wise, uh, it has a pretty strong following. It does. It does. Yeah. And it, yeah, it, it's, I think it's definitely one of the best horror films of the 2000s. You want to hear more about that? You can go back and listen to our episode... This one, I didn't go into it expecting uh, it to be as good as the original, uh, and I I am glad that I tempered my expectations, because uh, it's not. <laughs> you know, It is absolutely not. Yeah, but frankly, uh, this went well above my stinky low expectations. I didn't have a bad time with this movie. It's not good, but I, I had a fine time watching it. There's... Some highs, some some lows, for sure. I've, yeah, I've got a good number of things it, to say about it. Honestly, it it exceeded my expectations at times. Yeah, there were definitely a good handful of scenes where I was like, "Oh, you know, this is actually pretty cool." And then there are a lot of other moments where I'm like, "Why did they feel the need to make this movie?" Yeah, I mean, it should be noted that John Harris, the director, this is his only movie. Otherwise, he's a special effects artist, which really makes sense when you think about this movie, because the strongest elements are a lot of those practical effects. Absolutely. And that is something that did very pleasantly take me by surprise, Mm -hmm. is how many of the effects in this movie are practical and how good those effects are. Because, I mean, geez, for a 2009 sequel that... I might be pulling this out of my ass, but I want to say this was direct to video. I don't think this movie got a theatrical release. I could be wrong, uh, but yeah, I have no idea. I was I was fully expecting this to be riddled with cheap late two thousand CG, um, and it isn't. No, that's and like one two, shot, no two, 
two shots. <laughs> there's, two shots. There's, there's a couple, yeah. Two shots that are, yeah. that are bad. But the rest, pretty fucking good. I, w- I was really impressed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's some really great uh, effects in this movie at times, and we'll, we'll get into those. Uh, I think an important thing to discuss off the bat is which of the original's uh, two endings this, uh, ah. this film follows. Um, so the theatrical, I, th- I think we talked about this a little bit in our, our episode mm-hmm. on the original, but the theatrical uh, release of The First Descent uh, ended with the protagonist, Sarah, finding a way out of the caves, clawing her way out of the ground into freedom, and uh, running to a, a road and flagging down a car. The true ending, which I think is the more widely accepted ending at this point because it's the ending in all versions other than the theatrical version, she does escape at first, gets to the road, and then wakes up back in the cave. She's fallen asleep, mm-hmm. and it sort of ends with her uh, hallucinating being with her dead daughter, um, as we sort of hear the sounds of like dozens of creatures cr- closing in around her, and it cuts to black. The studio didn't want that in the theatrical release because they thought it was too bleak, uh, and it certainly is a bleak ending, but uh, I really like that ending. Um, but importantly, this film takes the theatrical ending of the first one as canon, with her escaping and being found, um, because... The whole conceit of this movie is she escapes, gets picked up by a, a, a search and rescue party, and uh, they take her back into the caves to try to find out what happened to the rest of her party. They did have a couple of the same actors uh, in this. Uh, Shauna McDonald does reprise her role as Sarah, the protagonist of the original. So that's cool. They got her back. Um, she's she's still good in this. Um, yeah, I will say the the premise of getting her back down into the cave felt a little contrived. Oh, oh extremely yeah. contrived. <laughs> After going through that trauma, I think the last place she'd ever want to go, even it was if it was to save people, would be back down into those creature caves. Yeah, and the way they kind of get away with it is that when they find her, she has, like, amnesia. She's, like, so traumatized that she doesn't remember what happened to them in the caves until she gets back down there. I want to touch on that real quick. Yeah, sure. That aspect of it, overall, totally agree. Very contrived, poorly written. But that one aspect of it I kind of liked. That it wasn't just, oh, she had amnesia because of trauma. It played into one of, like, the cool parts about the ending of the story, which is her, like, sitting down deep in the bottom of this cave as there's monsters all around her and seeing the birthday cake for her daughter Mm -hmm. and then blowing it out together. Even in the depths of this literal hell, she finds... A mental escape, if not a... Well, yeah, she she completely dissociates. Exactly. Her, her mind and shatters, and so she hallucinates a happy memory to cope. In the cope. director's yeah. 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 But we still see that part in the theatrical one, yeah? Like, no. Really? Okay. No, no, so no, it, no. it almost sort of incorporates both versions, because, like, that that is sort of integral to it, right? So, like, the idea, assumedly, is in this version, she had that moment, and then... 
it somehow fueled her getting out of the cave, which is dumb. But well, yeah, like, I, I I think that's like I like what you're saying, but I think you're projecting that. No, I'm definitely using some like movie, anime logic. And, like, I'm, I'm grafting it on here a little bit. Like, but that's what I'm. That's all I'm getting at is yeah. like there's a gem of a cool idea here. It's it's poorly executed, but I do like that idea of her like not remembering anything to do with the cave, um, and just like. And I mean, when they wake her up in the hospital, the first thing she asks is, where is my daughter? Who's right. been dead for years um, because she's just regressed. Um, uh, and I thought that was a neat idea, considering like that idea of like kind of combining both endings of the previous film. But it's immediately kind of. Well, yeah, over. it's it's never it's never really addressed again. Like it kind like there there's kind of like a through line because like one of the one of the cops like the sheriff's deputy is like a single mom and like when they're driving to the caves like she's on the phone with like her daughter telling her to like you know behave for grandma or whatever so there's so like sarah has that sort of like empathetic connection with her because she knows that she's you know uh got a a daughter to take care of at home but i mean it's not it's not ever really addressed in like a thematic way or anything it's just kind of like it it's just like a cheap mechanism to be mm-hmm. to like make one of these characters slightly more sympathetic and then you've got the other cop character the sheriff uh who cleveland and i were calling sheriff dipshit yeah. Um, a, a truly frustrating character, um, from a writing perspective. Uh, I really, really hated this guy. And I know that some of that is by design. Like he's supposed to be an asshole that you're not supposed to like, but I found it more frustrating because like he makes so many irrational decisions that, seem to be largely unmotivated like i know it's a horror movie and you got to have characters that make dumb decisions sometimes i think that it's important that like the audience needs to be able to rationalize the character's dumb decision there has to be some kind of trail of logic where like even if we recognize it's stupid we have to be able to see how the character themselves got to that decision and this character just doesn't do that he's the one who insists on dragging sarah back down into the caves because he thinks that she'll be able to guide them which is totally absurd because yeah especially with with amnesia you know like right for yeah she has amnesia first of all second of all she was totally lost down there they all were it's an uncharted cave system that's the whole point they don't know how to get out and when they go back into the caves this time they go back in through a completely different entrance than the one that the characters used in the first movie so why would they think that Sarah would be able to help them down there at all? They're going into a huge unmapped cave system through a different entrance that they haven't been through before, and they think that she's going to be able to 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 find her way. Just completely ridiculous logic. Yeah. Uh, and so, like it, that that's just that just feels like lazy to me. It's like, oh, we got to get her down in the cave somehow, right? Don't know why they couldn't just have used the same entrance. Then that would have at least made sense. Then you know maybe they could have followed some of like 
the uh the signs of their expedition before or she could like reach a certain point in the cave and like have a flash of memory and be like oh yeah we went this way when we got here yeah i almost wish they didn't include the characters from the first one at all yo definitely yeah you know i think it would have been much more interesting if these were just all new characters it'd be less contrived for sure yeah Um, i mean in it would be more just, like, kind of the same. It's like, oh, another group of people found their way into these same caves. I mean, Cleve and I were actually talking about this before uh, before we watched the movie. Um, but my idea for what they should have done is they should have gone the Tremors 4 route and set it in, like, the 1800s and had it be, Ooh. like... A group of uh, like spelunkers exploring the cave, and that because like in the first movie we, they find like an old antique spelunker's helmet, so they know that people have been down here before. Um, so what happened to them? And then you have a cool excuse to just do the same thing the first one did and have people lost in this ca- in these caves full of goblin creatures. But then we also get to see like the equipment that, like, 19th century Spelunkers would have been using. How do they use that different equipment to navigate the caves differently from the characters that we've seen? Like, I think that kind of approach would be cool for uh, making another Descent movie. It's reminiscent of the Thing prequel. Yeah, kind of. Right, where you just see the the team from the... What happened to the first base? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Period pieces cost money, though. That was exactly my point. We had this discussion yesterday, too. I was like, that's why they didn't do that. That's why a lot of horror movies don't do period pieces. But I do think that this would have been, uh, to bring up a point that Cleveland brought up, this would have been a good one to do a period piece for because the whole thing is just set in the caves, right? So in terms of period accuracy, all you really have to worry about is... Costumes. Yes, four costumes. Mm -hmm. Costumes and gear. And that's way cheaper than having to, like, do full sets and stuff. Yeah, there's not, like, big backdrops or map paintings. Yeah, it's all just just in the caves again. Yeah, one location. And that that just brought up, like, a broader point um, that I'm surprised that there aren't more, like, cube or saw-esque period piece films. Like, The Witch is kind of close to that, where it's like, one small location and the woods. Mm-hmm. And that's it. You know? But period. And so it's like, it's a little bit more budget than, like, a cube film, but it's still not that big, you know, compared to, like, a, yeah. you know, a big budget. Yeah, there's like, some good cluster. examples like I, that. I want to see, a like, a Saw-like medieval movie where they're escaping all the medieval torture like devices. Spanish Inquisition yeah it'd be yeah awesome. oh that would be that'd be sick like a yeah. like a pit in the pendulum kind of deal yeah it writes itself it, I will say bring her back down in the cave just kind of reminiscent of aliens it's way sure. worse it's way it's nowhere near as well written um uh but like that same idea of like bringing the, the protagonist back to the hive uh, I mean, if they had just had a better reason for taking her back down there, I yes. think that's, like, the biggest problem. Well, also, because, like, once they get down there and, like, get into the caves a little bit, they find one of the bodies of uh, of uh, one of the members of Sarah's party, and Sheriff Dipshit then assumes that Sarah must have killed that person. 
um, because there's nothing down here in the caves that could have done that, right? So it must have been Sarah. So he he suddenly turns really hostile towards her, which again feels like a cheap, lazy mechanism to separate them because then she like kicks him in the face and runs off because he's like being threatening. And then one of the other explorers like runs off after her. And then there's like a cave in uh, because Sheriff Dipshit shoots his gun down there, causes a cave in. Uh, (laughs) Another one of the like most broadly telegraphed things they could have done is like they, they hired this like small team of like very experienced cavers to like go in with them. And as they're getting ready to go in, the leader of that group is, is talks to the sheriff is like, uh, you know, like note, like don't bring your gun. A gun down in the caves is like dynamite. And of course, in true cop fashion, typical cop. Yeah. Typical (laughs) cop bullshit. The sheriff is like, Oh, my gun stays with me. Just like, Oh, fucking, of course we know what's going to happen. He's going to shoot. He's going to shoot it in the caves trigger a cave-in, and they're going to be trapped. And, yep, that's what happens. But it doesn't feel satisfying. It just feels frustrating. I hate this character so much. And he continues to make more dumb decisions throughout the movie. Like, it doesn't stop there. That's one thing. Like, one or two is, like, it sucks, but, you know, you can get past it if they kill him off quickly and in a good way. And they do one of those things, right? They kill him off in a great way, but not quickly enough. He makes more dumb decisions. No, well, that's that's the thing because he's like the most antagonistic member of the party, so he has to stick around to cause trouble. But, and, but they're in a cave surrounded by goblins. That's right. enough of an like that. There's your antagonist. You don't need to also introduce. Well, you know, it feels like it felt like they're trying to like recapture some of what happened in the original mm-hmm. because. You know, there is there is some, like, human tension in the original between, like, Sarah and, and Juno, who's the one who, like, led them into this uncharted cave without telling them, and, you know, who accidentally kills one of, uh, one of them while they're down there. So there is, like, in the first one, there's, like, some legitimately, like, good human drama to, like... Yeah. I mean, even heighten to like heighten the stakes yeah. of the monsters. And to me, though, even in the first movie, the Juno stuff with her like intentionally losing the map, I found really frustrating. <laughs> yeah, but in, sure. in but frustrating in in more in a more satisfying way, if that makes sense. Yeah, because it's like the character it makes, makes fru- the character makes frustrating decisions. But again, based on who we know that character to be, it makes sense for them. And it makes you as the viewer angry because you recognize that it's a dumb decision that's putting the rest of the party in danger. But from a narrative perspective, it makes sense. Whereas the Sheriff Dipshit character in this movie does not. He makes dumb, frustrating decisions because he's a fucking idiot and the movie (laughs) needs him to, you know? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that's true. I do want to talk about the caves. A yeah. little bit, oh, yeah. because uh, it's really interesting. I know a lot of these caves are actually like sets mm-hmm. that they build, um, which is really cool. Um, I will say the one thing going from the the first movie to this movie is I don't know about you guys, but this one didn't feel quite as claustrophobic to me. Correct. Yeah. You know why that is? I think 
too much ambient light. Yes, I was going to say the lighting is not as good. Too much ambient light. Uh, there are a number of times in this movie where they'll be like in a cave or something and there's like a dim, unmotivated light source from off camera to like kind of give more definition to the background or whatever. Whereas like the first one for the most part is lit entirely uh, from a practical perspective uh, or diegetically or whatever is lit entirely with like their headlamps and flares and glow sticks and uh, it makes it really dynamic looking and colorful too and also like the scenes where they're crawling through like the narrow tunnels there's very little light and most of the screen is just black and it's very claustrophobic and like while i don't think this movie is lit terribly i did definitely like identify that pretty early on it's like i can see too much of this stuff like i should not be able to see as much of this as i can which is funny because like it does look good for the most part yeah well i mean the set the sets are are good like they look like real caves you know um a little less wet than i would than i would (laughs) want and i think uh that's a nice part of the original is like so much of it's just like wet and slick and you get some like nice reflections yeah (laughs) yeah there yeah there sure (laughs) is um but yeah i i think that that does go a great deal to like reducing the claustrophobia that a movie like this demands, especially on the heels of of the original, which is a very claustrophobic movie. It's like, it's all just a little bit too well lit. It also makes it more flat, too, I think. It's fine. It looks okay, though. Yeah, yeah. It felt like in getting more caves and kind of a bigger budget for stuff like caves, they kind of forgot about the motivation behind the lighting aspect. Because they wanted to show off some of those sets a bit more. Well, yeah, it's funny you mentioned that, too, because, like, I, I don't know about you guys, but maybe it's partially the pacing of the film, but the caves don't feel, like, as big and, like, labyrinthine and sprawling as they do in the first one. Like, maybe it's just because they, like, get in between these, like, main set pieces too quickly and easily in this movie that makes it feel smaller. Or maybe it's just, like, the pacing of the original. It takes them, like, so long to get, like, way deep down in the caves before, like the first creature attack even happens. It feels, it really feels like they've been down there lost for like hours and hours and hours. And it just feels like they, they get to everything too quickly in this movie. And it, it makes the scale smaller, I think. Which I think would have been okay if they had gone a little bit more aliens with it and introduced tons of new creatures and we'd gone even deeper say which one of the movie i think they did max out their budget but um uh yeah. pretty well like mm-hmm. but it would have been neat to see like flying ones or ones with really big mouths or you know like yeah maybe yeah i don't know like yeah i mean i guess if you're i guess if you're gonna if you're gonna sacrifice like the realism and claustrophobia of the first one then yeah go mm-hmm. like bigger and weirder with the monsters well well they did introduce a little variety in that the uh, 
the uh, female goblins have wigs on for whatever reason. Oh my reason. god. Wow, yeah. Just like that that is something that <laughs> felt like that is an effect that felt like immensely cheap. Mm-hmm. Is that like I I know I brought it up on our episode uh talking about the first ones like always one of my like biggest problems with the original which is ultimately a very minor issue but like the one female creature we see in that one that's like in the blood pit has hair. That doesn't make any sense to me. That's never made it, any sense to me. Part, uh, it reminds me of the female Mogwai, or female Gremlin. The the, po- yeah. the Pogwai, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. like, it just, like, I, I hate to put it this way, but, like, it, it should be that, like, it doesn't have hair. It looks like the others in that respect. But, like, well, yeah, that's the thing. They should read as genderless. Yeah. You know, like that's that's the thing. It's like but it has that, to be about oh, the strongest one is the web, the woman. And that's you know? and like, that's and, yeah, that's and, fine, and it's but, like you know, so the I would just so like the the female protagonist fights the female uh, creature in the blood pit, and it's very cool and epic. And like it is a it is a cool scene, but I have always thought that was stupid that. There's just, like, the one that just has, like, a full head of hair, so we know it's female. And they bring, I, I presumably, that same one back in this one, because it's only the—once there's again, there's only one that has hair— um, all of the others are like uniform, bald, and and hairless. So I guess they're all male. But in See, this one, the wig is much cheaper and, and worse know, looking. You know how you make that work, especially in a sequel. You show a character getting scalped, and the goblin putting it. Oh, over it his puts head. The, 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 the where's the scalp on its head? Yeah, yeah, I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna give these things hair, I guess that is the way to do it. But yeah, oh man, that wig in this in this one looks looks rough. It was uh, bad. Thankfully, that that creature doesn't get much screen time and uh, f- tumbles into the abyss pretty uh, pretty quickly. <laughs> I do. Other than that, I do really like that sequence Same. because um, yeah. a couple of the characters come across like the the chasm that uh they found in the first one and had to go across and they find like the the corpse of one of the women is still like hanging from the ceiling and like the creatures are on their trail so they have to like jump onto her body and try to use it to like swing across the chasm that i think is really cool like the the woman's like yeah. dangling from her and it's like mm-hmm. there's like blood and like goo like coming out of the corpse's mouth and like dripping down onto her face uh it and, rules it's really yeah, cool I, I thought that 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 is one of the scenes that i really liked in this yeah. movie i well, thought was really fun and, it, and interesting it's a fun idea like using the corpses of like the first film's party as set pieces mm-hmm. you know because that that mm-hmm. happens several times and each time it looks fucking great it's yeah. one of, it's uh, to me it's the highlight of the film like the first one they encounter has like the rat in her throat and that oh, practical yeah. looks amazing. Yeah. Like when it crawls out of her mouth, like that's like, really fun. Yeah, it, it, it's super well done. And then yeah, like the corpse suspended, and like the that was really hard to shoot. Like I, uh, yeah. I, I can imagine. Like that, it really is like a production feat. And um, uh, there's a few more as well. But that you know, like those two really stand out to me. And there's just some other uh, like combat sequences where like it's. Well, and the setup is corny, but like they look great. Like when, oh, oh my god, when the thing gets his head head crushed. Yes. Oh, that was great. That's yeah, that was maybe that, my favorite practical. 
Same. Yeah, that that looks so good. Mm-hmm. Um, like, there's the one for the listeners. Like, there's one character that's stuck in, in the cave-in in the middle of it. And as they're getting making their way out, they find a smaller tunnel where they're beset by a creature. They get out of the tunnel, um, and the creature's following right behind, and they realize they can kick a rock to the side to create a, have a larger rock fall on it. And it slowly crushes its head, and it pops... And you see the whole thing happen, and it's really it's like uh, It's like putting a watermelon under a steamroller. It's mm-hmm. like that kind of effect. They, I think you said they Toxic like avenger yeah. uh, the yeah. the creature, mm-hmm. yeah. But, but, like, it's, you know, in Toxic Avenger, I think they literally just put, like, a watermelon yes. there. But yeah. it's like this, mm-hmm. it's like you see it up close. Mm-hmm. It does not look like a watermelon. Um, I mean, it works in Toxic Avenger, but, like, it... it uh, here we get really close on it, and it's it's impressive. It's a very good effect. I'm I in hindsight am not surprised to learn yeah. that John Harris is a special effects guy, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, like every, anytime they give a special effects guy a movie to direct, not always like a super good movie, but at least you can you can count on the effects to be practical, which is super uh, or important to be good, yeah, in a movie, yeah. and. Uh, you know what it reminds me of is like a martial arts film where the plot is largely irrelevant. We're just here to see the next set piece of yep. a martial arts sequence. And, you know, here it, it feels the same. Like, the plot is rough, um, but the the sequences that they're leading up to are fantastic. Yeah, it's, that, it's a shame. If you could have both, oh, that's when it, it really rules. But. And that's the thing. It's like there was, a, there was a good chunk of this movie where I was, like, pretty pretty well enjoying myself mm-hmm. um like once once that we really got into the action of it but it's a shame mm-hmm. because the setup is boring and shitty because none of these characters are interesting and then they introduce a twist towards the end of the movie and then the ending kind of sucks so the ending really sucks yeah but we can get into that we don't have to talk later. about that yet the ending sucks ass um, but yeah, like there's, there are a lot of like really fun, uh, little set pieces throughout this movie. I want to talk about the creatures a little bit because I think the makeup is very good. They look great, but their design has changed slightly in this movie from the original in ways that I don't necessarily love. No, I mean, they, they look like high fantasy orcs. Yes. Like I kept yeah. I kept expecting one of them to look up and go man flesh. Yeah, they they have yeah, it's and it's like they didn't the change they didn't change all that much. That's the biggest thing is they gave the them eyes. they gave them big pointy elf ears. And the eyes aren't really cloudy in this one. So, it's inconsistent. Yeah. Some of them have yeah. like kind of cloudy blind eyes, others just have like regular looking eyes. But yeah, for me a the a big problem with it is like the the big the big pointy elf ears. Because like the creatures in the original have like very slightly enlarged, like slightly pointed ears. Cause like they they are uh creatures that that make their way entirely based on sound, right? So like it makes sense that their ears would be mm-hmm. like a little larger, a little distended, but they they just like really over exaggerated that in this one, and it, it's kind of goofy looking. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if well, I, didn't I have think the that problem order, is be fine. that problem is compounded by the fact that we see so much more of the monsters in this one. Yeah, obviously it's a sequel, so we're going to see more. But we see more in, like, 
fully formed and you know in light and stuff because of how this film is lit yeah um and i think that's part of the problem because i think if we just saw bits and pieces of them even in the new design it wouldn't be that bothersome yeah they they mostly hide them really well in the original i also think that a lot of the actors uh slash stunt people that they got to play the creatures in this movie are like a little bit too uh muscular for what i would be looking for like well there's one at like the the very end that is just like fucking big beefy like berserker uh goblin but like a lot of them are like they they obviously have like very well toned like athletes bodies and like i feel like these creatures like they need to be like lanky and you know they can be like kind of muscular because they have to climb and crawl a lot sure but it should be like lean hard muscle right not like Mm -hmm. not like uh pecs and traps and stuff like that they're goblins not orcs yeah yeah exactly and it's just like they're they're just they're just a little too muscular that i feel like kind of detracts from that too and the last thing that i noticed in this movie is that uh this is a more subtle detail but i definitely noticed it is that they gave them like big pointy sharp teeth whereas like in the original they have kind of like ragged more like golem-esque kind of fangs you know like sort of worn down sharpened like human teeth from like chewing on bones and shit but in this they just have like shark teeth it's just a lot of design decisions and i'm like uh okay i guess but don't love it i think another problem too is that especially in like the first half of this movie they directly cut back to like shots and scenes from the original they just like straight up use that footage so at several points throughout the movie, we're sort of, like, reminded of, like, how good the first one looks and, like, how good the creatures look. And then in comparison with stuff, like, we've already talked about, like, the slightly different creature design and, like, the use of more ambient lighting and stuff like that, it's kind of like one of those things where it's like, you maybe shouldn't, like, so directly remind people of a better movie, <laughs> you know? But, eh, it is what it is. Can we talk about the, uh... The poop pit? The poop pit. Yeah, shitter pitter. <laughs> let's, let's talk about the shitter pitter. Yeah, there we go. Well, yeah, the first one, you the know, had... Of the, the shitter pitter. The first one had the blood pit, uh, and this one said, how can we top the blood pit? Oh, what about the poop pit? <laughs> and, uh... I mean, there's there's not, like, a whole lot to say about it other than that, like, it is just a big hole, a big wet hole full of piss and shit where a couple of the characters, like, fight one of the creatures. And, like, that's fine, but what they do after that is something that I would define as uh, truly gratuitous in the most literal definition of the word – After they've killed the creature and they're sort of, like, standing in this big brown pool that has, like, floating semi-solid, like, chunks of 
what is pretty obviously shit in it. It's like we 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 as the audience we know we know what and we know what that pit is. The characters take forever getting out of it. Well, yeah, and one character and like Sarah kind of like. like- picks up like some of the shit and makes like like a disgusted face and it's like okay we know but then the cherry on top is <laughs> one of the creatures comes along and hovers its ass over the pit and then just shits into it and that they, was so funny that they was just show probably it. the hardest i laughed at one of these sequels in a while yeah because it's like what why why did you feel the need to do that well, yeah it's, it's like, like we know this is the it. we know this is the poop pit it's, it's already like to me really stupid that like the protagonist of our movie um who survived <laughs> all these horrors would like be dumb enough to need to like pick up a turd yeah, yeah. you know when it's like yo you're in like the pit of filth you can smell the pit filth. Right. It's like you can smell like, that that like is piss. People have shit. a sense of smell, and like right. that's that's all that you know. It's like you don't. It's like really... you're you're literally wallowing around. Like you've been fighting with a goblin monster in this pit. Like you can smell it. Odds are, at least some of it has gotten into your mouth at that point. You know, right? Mm. And like we can like, we see it full on. Like we did yeah, not yeah, yeah. need her to pick it up. Yeah, yeah. Like we don't need her to pick it up, but we certainly don't need. A creature to come scampering along, turn around, dangle its ass out over the over the hole, and shit down into the pit on top of our protagonist. Like it felt like it was out of a Fairly Brothers comedy. Yeah, it, it's yeah. so like it it feels like a gag, and it's like in a movie that is otherwise like totally devoid of humor because like it's not trying to be a comedy. You know, it's just like, all right, well, let's just watch this creature take a shit, I guess. Okay. Insert <laughs> like, slide whistle sound. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the poop pit. Yeah, just, yeah, gr- gratuity is the word. And, yeah, it's so silly. Especially compared to, like, the, how striking the blood pit is in the first yeah. one. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, because it's like a it's like a pit full of blood, but also like it's lit by like a red flare. So like the whole thing is yeah. just like saturated, like deep red. You've got this like really visceral scene of like the protagonist like fighting this creature in like a pit full of blood and bones and viscera. And it's like, well, we can't do that again. But what can we do that's kind of like it? Oh, what if it was full of doo doo instead? Doo doo. Yeah doo-doo and piss uh i i can't wait for the the sequel <laughs> where we get a big cum pit the cum, the cum pit, pit. Yeah, yeah i mean that's the that's really the only place you can go right is the cum pit so they fight a creature in the cum and then we see a creature come along and stand over the pit and jack off into the pit. So we know, so we know for sure that the big pit full of viscous white goo is actually come since we see the creature jacking off into it. Yeah, and we can have one of the protagonists like give it a taste test just to make sure that it's come. And, and they uh, taste yeah. it like tastes better than my ex boyfriend. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, that would that would really put a bow on a trilogy, wouldn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Man, I feel like uh, when we're when we're like 
used used as a metaphor in comparison to the first movie, the blood pit versus the poop pit, like, really feels quite appropriate, doesn't it? It does. It does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like this movie is kind of like the poop the poop pit equivalent, the, the poop pit version of the first one. Well, why don't we wade from one pit of filth into directly into another one, which is some of the most baffling writing decisions in this Sure. You got, I, you got something in mind? <laughs> yes. Bringing back Juno. Oh, I... What the fuck? I fucking hated that. Amazing. It, what a dumb idea. I will give uh, some small credit again... So, no surprise, it looks great. Um, a big problem I always have with, like, the depiction of, like, some strong female protagonist in movies is, especially when the movies are going for realism. Um, if it's, like, a cartoon, like, Disney movie or whatever, I don't really give a shit. But, like, for a, a kind of a darker, gritty movie like this, if it's going for res- realism and you want to have a character who is super strong and powerful, they need to look physically strong and powerful. And I will give credit. Like, the actress who plays Juno worked the fuck out. Like, she looks super strong and powerful, and, like, she could take on these creatures. Sure. Like, I, I believe it. I don't believe that I mean, she's yeah. still alive. I don't believe that anyone would still be alive. Well, especially, <laughs> especially because the whole thing in the first movie is that Sarah purposely cripples Juno in order to leave her as Bait as a distraction for the creatures so she can get away. After she's learned that Juno killed one of their other friends, and also after she found out that Juno was having an affair with her husband, who died in the same accident that her daughter did. Like, they had beef, and Juno is kind of an antagonist in that movie. So, to have that moment where Sarah, like, puts the the like pick the pickaxe like through her leg to cripple her so she can make her escape is like a really impactful moment and this movie is just like yeah that happened but Juno was actually okay and uh in like the 3 days since then she's gone like completely feral not just feral but hulked out yeah like instead of like having what is she eating? I guess mole people. I, yeah, creatures, I guess. Yeah, but, like, what? what is she eating to gain all this strength from? Because, like, I I go, like, four hours without, like, or I, I only get, like, four hours of sleep a night, and I, my brain is fucking spaghetti. Yeah, well, you know? and also, like, I don't, she also, she doesn't have any source of light. So she is just as blind as the creatures down there in pitch darkness, but also doesn't have the generations of evolution required to like heighten her hearing and the familiarity of living down there so she can make her way around also she had a pickaxe put through her leg and she's just yes, running around she was, cr- she was crippled things. she was crippled in the first one mm-hmm. so she, she just got up from that like we're somehow supposed to believe that she's still alive that she survived all of this Girls and get it's it still done. and it's still like a badass mm. and to jump ahead slightly, I guess we can sort of start getting into the ending. But, like, the the thing that, like, ultimately hammers in the final nail that makes this just, like, the most frustrating writing decision, bringing back Juno, is that it's for nothing. Nothing 
comes of it. Nothing meaningful comes of having... Yeah, I mean, (laughs) and there's a little bit of tension between her and Sarah, which they then resolve pretty quickly. I'm kind of glad they did. I didn't want that, like, back at... The, the sheriff, sheriff dipshit was already enough, like, yeah, back man, and forth. I, yeah, I, I mean, I mean, but the thing is... Just like, doing it all is a problem. The thing is, like, if you're gonna bring back Juno, the only thing that makes sense is to make her be, like, another fucking wrench thrown into the machine, right? To complicate things. She was an antagonistic presence in the first one. If you bring her back, she needs to be an antagonistic presence again. She needs to make their lives harder. It needs to be something, another struggle for them to overcome. And okay, if it ends up in Sarah and Juno having another showdown or whatever, where they, like, fight... Okay, cool, that's fine, but that doesn't even happen here either. Like, there's a little bit of tension, they kind of forgive each other, and then Juno gets killed by the buff gremlin, the buff goblin, uh, the Urukai, at uh, at the end, like, before they're able to escape. So it's like, what was the fucking point? Why bring her back? What What purpose did it serve? What did it add to the movie? It added a cool fight scene. Barely. <laughs> Barely, yeah. though. And and there's no reason that it had to be that character in order to have that same fight scene. That could have been with any other character, right? Yeah, it's that whole member. Yeah. Member Juno. Well, again, it, it feels like they felt like they had an obligation to link the sequel to the original. Yep. That's what we get. But it's like, you're already using the same protagonist, you're already using Sarah again, and it's like, okay, she survived these creatures once, so she's better equipped than the rest of this party, you know? So she's she's the expert, the survival expert in this scenario. It's like, why why bring Juno back if you're not going to do anything meaningful? And that fucking sucks. It's a shame, too, because the reintroduction of Juno happens at a point where... Like, pretty much right after, like, several really fun, cool sequences in a row where, like, the movie had really been winning me over. Mm-hmm. Where I was like, you know, this had a rocky start, but I'm having a good time. Like, I'm enjoying all of this well enough. And then it's like Juno shows up, and I'm just immediately like, oh, no. <laughs> And sure enough, like, the movie fucking deteriorated from there. Like, after Juno's reintroduction, I think the only part of the movie from there to the end that I really enjoyed was Sheriff Dipshit's death. Which I think we should mention briefly, because to give the film its credit... As frustrating as that character is in a bad way, at least they gave him a suitably drawn-out, agonizing (laughs) death. Not a quick death, either. Uh, Because I I think they knew that the audience would, would hate this guy, so it would be satisfying to see him die. And boy, is it. Because yet another immensely buffoonish decision that he makes when he gets when he finds all of them together again he immediately handcuffs himself to sarah so she can't get away which is just so stupid in a fucking cave where you're having to like crawl through tunnels one by one (laughs) and like 
navigate and stuff like that to cripple yourself by handcuffing another person to you is just so, so stupid. Also doesn't make any sense, because at this point, he knows about the creatures. He's seen so plenty he, of goblins. He's yeah. seen and and fought plenty of goblins, so at this point, he knows that Sarah was not the one who killed the other members of the party, like he suspected earlier. He knows this. He knows she didn't do it. So why would he handcuff her to him so she doesn't get away? For a cool death sequence. And to crawl through tight spaces, handcuffed like that, her face would have to be it like in his asshole basically yeah or she would or one of them would have to be crawling backwards because they're handcuffed wrist to wrist right yeah so it's like there's it it just doesn't make sense from from a number of perspectives but it does serve as a uh a device for his death which is they're trying (laughs) it's it's awesome they're they're like crossing like another chasm on like sort of an unstable like bridge that is just composed of like some rocks that are like held together by pressure or whatever and as they're crawling across the bridge collapses and big fat sheriff dipshit is dangling in the abyss by a significantly smaller sarah's wrist and there are creatures closing in on them. So uh, I I also love that they uh, that they made the sheriff's deputy the one to 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 be the one who does this. Is Juno gives her the pickaxe, and she's like, she's like, you have to cut it or they're both dead. So then the awesome. de- so then the deputy or or we're all dead or whatever. So then the deputy. Uh, takes the pickaxe and not cleanly or quickly uh, <laughs> severs Sheriff Dipshit's wrist uh, while he's also being dragged down by two creatures that have crawled up out of the abyss and are like hanging on to him and like clawing and biting him like while she's just like strike after strike after strike like brutally cutting his hand off and it's awesome it's, it's so fantastic it's yeah it was so I, good the the funniest part of it for me was i at first expected them to you know cut into the the chain the on chain the yeah i thought so too but of course they go for the the more brutal option the weak meat it's sheriff dipshit. Right. So. Well, it's funny too because they have the sheriff's deputy be the one to do it. So she's like hacking her boss's hand off, you know. And it's like they hadn't established like that those two characters have like a particularly antagonistic relationship or anything. Like he's an asshole or whatever. But like they didn't go out of their way to set up that like she hates him or anything. So it's just like it's just like extremely <laughs> like almost unnecessarily brutal. Um but because the character is so unlikable uh, it is very satisfying from the audience perspective uh, that he like finally 
finally, finally gets his comeuppance after being just, like, the most annoying character for two-thirds of the movie. Yeah, I think I think that if that ending had come to him sooner, it would have been just as gratifying. And I think oh, that's sure. really a critique. Is, <laughs> like, if you could have done the exact same thing it would, and we wouldn't have had to, like, suffer through him for as long, like, and it still would have been, like... Oh yeah, finally Sheriff Dipshit is dead. If he had been the first to die, I would have been oh, saying yeah. finally Sheriff Dipshit is dead. Yeah, but yeah, you know that's yeah. that's a post thing. Looking back, it's, you know, I, I get going into something making something. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean thing. that's like he's it's is a legitimately bad character with frustrating motivation. So I certainly would have enjoyed if he had died much much earlier than he did. But at least when they finally did kill him off, it was satisfying. Mm-hmm. That that yeah. felt uh, that felt a little bit better. It was like, okay, geez, I had to suffer through this character for so long. At least I get to relish his death a little bit. Is it time to talk about the bad ending? Yeah, let's talk about the, the you got, bad ending. So, Sarah, the sheriff's deputy, and Juno make it to the exit of the cave which is where a bunch of creatures are because that's where they leave the caves to hunt on the surface, um, which, you know, is, I guess, a thing they established they do in the first one. I still think it's kind of weird, but... So they have to fight their way out, which is when we get Juno dying, uh, fighting the the buff uh, creature, but uh, also something that I found really really frustrating is that uh sarah sacrifices herself here so that the sheriff's deputy can get out because she has a daughter and i guess sarah has nothing to live for anymore so she makes a loud noise to make all of the creatures attack her so the sheriff's deputy can run out and that that feels that feels bad. It sucks, man. Yeah, it sucks. We don't care about the deputy. Yeah. At all. Who yeah. cares? The, she is hardly set up as a person. Right. She's on... There's a, there's a minute-long phone call with her child. We don't see her child. Yeah. We don't see her being not even a, a minute. Not even a minute. She's yeah. on the phone for like 15 and seconds. So much of the beginning, middle, and end of the descent... Of the original descent reiterates why Sarah is important and, and deserves an ending. Yes, you know, in one way or the other, mm-hmm. like good or bad, she deserves the spotlight. Why she's um, a real character? Yeah, yeah. And and here, like, why do we care? And I will, I will say, this movie doesn't do much to develop or make Sarah a character, but you have the whole first movie. You know, so like the first movie does all of the character development for Sarah. So not to say that this film does a good job of making Sarah an interesting character. But yeah, like Jesus fucking Christ, after everything she's been through in the first one and then now this one Mm -hmm. that she doesn't actually get to get out. Like, don't get me wrong. I advocate for the bleak ending of the first one where she doesn't get out, but it's not like a worthless sacrifice, you know? She yeah. tries her best to get out, fails, and, you know, retreats into a fantasy to, you know, cope with her mm-hmm. imminent demise. Or it's she like, does get out. 
And, like, in yeah, either version, I, I guess, better yeah. or worse, like, you know, now she's gone through it all twice. Mm-hmm. And to have her not make it out the second time, that I find cynical. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, like, once is already so much, but to have this character, like, dragged back to hell without consent. To make, to make a noble sacrifice. Well, it's yeah. a thing, too, is that, like... Mm-hmm. She doesn't need to make a noble sacrifice because she's not necessarily needing redemption for anything. I guess you could kind of argue that she makes, like, a pretty cold, selfish decision to, like, leave Juno as bait in the first one so she can get away like that is you know i I guess kind of like like you could say is a bad thing that that requires redemption but also i'm perfectly willing to set that aside yeah which which doesn't feel earned either no which doesn't feel earned but yeah she they did it and then she makes a noble sacrifice so a character that we don't give a shit about can escape but then the ultimate frustrating cynical cap on the whole thing is that the sheriff's deputy doesn't even get away sarah sacrifices all for nothing because the deputy like climbs out of the hole and she's in the woods and she starts running away and then she gets whacked in the face with a shovel by the redneck character who was introduced at the very beginning who uh, takes them to the, the entrance that they go in, which is like an old mine. Yeah, so probably should have set that it up, his, but eh, whatever. Yeah, whatever. That his grand his grandpa used to work in the mine, and one one day he went down, and he ain't never come out. You called it too, I did. like when they're when they're going down the lift in the, the beginning, beginning. He winks at the the sheriff's deputy, like right as he's about to go out of sight, and you were like, "Is that a, supposed to be a sinister wink?" And I said, God, uh, I hope not. And it sure was because it turns out like he whacks her in the face and then drags her back and throws her back into the hole, into the waiting arms of the creatures because he's been feeding them for some reason. Roll credits. Who knows? Who cares? Yeah, so yeah, fucking yeah, stupid. Yeah, exactly. Roll, like, cre- it, exactly. It Roll been credits. Really who knows? Who cares? It would have been really frustrating if he had shown up and said, hi. My grandpappy's a goblin. I'm feeding him for this reason, or it's uh, you know a tradition. We feed the goblins, and they bring us oil or some shit. <laughs> yeah. I don't care. So I don't care what. It, but like, what, it, what's it, his motivation? Right, and so what's it's like he... that would have been super frustrating. But like, at least it would have been explained. But instead, nope. Fuck you. He just does it for twist. Yeah, and, and what, there's no reason. Literally, like, what? And that's literally, unbelievably what frustrating. His, what could his motivation possibly be? We don't know. What, what could he possibly be getting out of feeding these creatures? They, it could have even been something simple if they want to explain it. Like he's he has a farm nearby, and if he doesn't like leave them food, the creatures come onto his farm and like kill his livestock. Could have said it while yeah. dragging her down there. And it's like, like sorry, it ain't and personal. Like, and it's like, oh, that would be that would be one thing. It would be flimsy motivation, but like, at least I, something. It would, be, it would at least be something. But yeah. why is he evil? What fucking possible reason does he have what do the creatures give him the way it's done in this movie feels like it's done exclusively to get that last 
jump scare shot in yes. too. Yeah, yeah, mechanical. Um, which just feels so cheap yes. and unearned. Yep. And it doesn't look good either. It it like that last that last shot of like the creature like jumping out of the dark, like it doesn't look good. It's it like it's obviously like on a green screen set against black, which we didn't yeah. me- we didn't mention the the couple of times that people fall into the abyss mm-hmm. in this movie, which or, is like obviously green screen. Or that one shot with, with Sheriff Dipshit like looking around in the foreground, and the creature like is green screened on the cave wall crawling behind, behind him. him. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. like very obviously a green screen. Mm-hmm. Like the couple like the couple of bad effects in this movie. It's like yeah, that is that is like the 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 last like spit in your face of this movie is to is to end it on a cheap jump scare on a shitty green screen. Yeah. It's like ugh, it's it's almost it's almost insulting. It's not almost insulting. It is insulting. I'm a little insulted by by the ending <laughs> of this movie. It's a movie. Yeah, I I don't know if I can get insulted by it, but I, I'm I don't I, take it I don't I take you. it personally i don't take yeah. it personally but i do find it insulting of of mm-hmm. the audience I, I guess i would have been like more like i guess offended by it if i had gone in with higher expectations but yeah this that i was expecting bullshit like that throughout the entire movie without the special effects or anything and i was quite pleased. well the reason the reason the the whole ending i would even say the last third of the film is so insulting is because it had been winning me over before that i went yeah, in frustrated by it. i went in with those rock bottom expectations the whole setup of the film fed into those rock bottom expectations like okay this is bull like this sucks this is doo doo and then the movie starts getting good for a little while it gets good for like 30 minutes and i'm like oh okay maybe this isn't a total waste of time you know maybe 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 this film like does uh like d- deserve some recognition and then it's like they're like you know what nah it actually is a bad movie. That's the most frustrating thing about it, and I'll go ahead and slap a rating on there. Uh, yeah. Two and a half out of five. It's not the worst thing in the world, and it does, like I said, have like a good 30-minute, 30, 30 to 40-minute section of that's like legitimately pretty fun and has some like really great practical effects. Um, and, you know, is, 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 uh, is not a bad time, but... What it ultimately comes down to for my writing is, like, if I want the good parts of this movie, I can just go watch the first one again, and the whole thing is good. I can just watch a whole good movie from beginning to end. So it's like, why why would I feel the need to watch this movie ever again? And I, and I probably won't, so two and a half out of five. <laughs> Yeah, for me, I think the practical effects are what's holding this up on a string, essentially. This movie is the original, but with worse writing, worse characters, worse lighting, worse atmosphere. It, you know, it's, it's the first one, but worse in pretty much every aspect. Um, this is a two out of five for me. It's not the worst thing I've seen this year, but... I don't think I I could recommend this to people. Yeah, you know, um, recently I gave, I think, The Black Phone about a three. Yeah, we all gave it a three. Oh, I gave it a three. And I gotta be real, I got more out of this than The Black Phone. Wow, So I'm gonna give it a three. Yeah, I I was was thinking about it, and it's like, I, I mean, The Black Phone doesn't have any, like, cool 
practicals in it like this, you know? And, like, the writing's better, sure, but... It's less frustrating to watch. Yeah, but... I think that earns the black phone some points. Yeah, well, I personally didn't get that frustrated over this movie. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Especially compared to, again, like, the number of, like, really good practicals, which is... I mean, your rating is your rating, of course. And, like, for me, like, when it comes to, like, my list of priorities, especially going into a movie like this, like, what I want out of it, uh, I want good practicals more than good writing. Like, I'm gonna... I also want good writing, and I recognize when it is good or bad, but here, I just... I found it to be a a really cool feat and I, I i liked that about it yeah there's some ideas there and yeah that's what it is man i didn't need good writing out of this but i needed less bad writing <laughs> you, mm. know what I mean? you know also there is one other thing i was primed a little bit a while ago i uh was running i'd forgotten i did this but a while ago i was running through behind the scenes for movies on youtube like a year two four years ago i don't know um, and then, you know, like things like behind the scenes for Mad Max, how it was made, other stuff like that. And I was just sort of like running through a whole, like on a playlist, like a whole bunch of behind the scenes for movies. And I think I watched the behind the scenes for this movie. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, as the movie was progressing, I slowly realized, wait, I've, I definitely haven't seen this movie, but I know, but I, I've seen some of these shots before, and I know these things are happening. So I actually watched, like, some of the promotional material for this film, thinking I'd never watch it. Um, and I actually, I before it happened, I remembered the bit about Juno, and I was like, oh, God, here it comes. I think I even said something to you, like, you're you're really not going to like this thing coming up in a bit. Something like, like that. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I did realize, like, before that scene happened, so I was a little bit more ready for it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just, I'd completely forgotten that I'd even done that. Until, like, we were, like, part way, and I was like, I'm, I'm getting, like, deja vu over this stuff, but I know I haven't seen this movie. Well, you like, obviously... Oh, yeah, there's uh, behind the scenes. You obviously didn't get any great insights from the behind the scenes, or you might have remembered it a little bit better. Yeah. Um, well, well I, don't, I don't remember much of anything better, so I'm, I'm, I'm obviously not going to put that that's one on the fair. movie. But... That's fair. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think a three is fine. You know, it's, like, just slightly above what I would, you know, my average for a film, but, you know... I, yeah. The practicals are are a, a four or a five. Like the practicals are fucking great, good. and yeah. so I, I really I can't. It's hard for me to fault it that hard. Well, that will give the descent part two an average of two point five out of five pods. Um, I'm kind of with Ben on this one. I don't think mm-hmm. I would really recommend this movie to anybody in good faith. It's like if you really love the descent and want more of that, then I guess but i feel like if you really love the descent you're gonna this movie's gonna put a bad taste in your mouth if you really love practicals and are willing to put those things aside with those expectations going in you might have a good time i guess but the first descent also has a bunch of really good practicals Mm -hmm. it doesn't have anybody getting their head crushed but uh it's like yeah like if you want if you want this movie but good then watch the first one because that's what it is Hmm. uh um well before we do next week ben you said you had uh opening weekend for nope yeah because we didn't have that last episode uh final opening weekend box office so uh for nope i predicted 50 million opening weekend tc predicted 44 million or 40 million excuse me and Cleveland, you predicted three hundred million. Whoa! <laughs> Again, I, I was thinking global at the time. I hope Cleveland's right. Maybe me too. Um, well, it was forty-four point four million. 
Yes! Hey, oh, Jimmy. man. Squeaking Jeez. it out. I was close. Hell yeah, that feels good. Uh, I guess I'm good at predicting how much people like Jordan Peele movies. <laughs> Anywho, uh, next week we're back into the land of new movies, and uh, it's time for Prey, the yes. newest entry yes. into the Predator franchise that is being released direct to Hulu, but is directed by Dan Trachtenberg. Um so I've been hearing some good preliminary things and have found myself, against my better judgment, getting more and more excited for this. Same. So, uh, I'm yeah. very excited. Next week, we'll be talking about Prey. Um, so if you have Hulu, watch it and come, come hang out with us. Now it is the sponsor time. Sponsor time and live-in sponsory. This episode is... Brought to you by Peepsy. Spelled P E P S I. What but is not, that? It, it's not Pepsi. It's Peepsy. It's spelled the same, but it's, you got to pronounce it different. It's not that one. Peepsy is uh, is what they bottle uh, from the 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 shit the shit the shit, the shit pit <laughs> in the descent too. Yeah. They go down there and bottle that up, and they sell that as Peepsy. <laughs> You look in, uh, you know, it's a, it's a Friday evening. I'm going to paint you a picture. It's a Friday evening, and you've just gotten off of a long double shift at your, your shitty job. And you're just trying to unwind and crack open a, a can of filth. Go get some Peepsy to meet your shitty needs. Yeah. Peepsy. <laughs> Thanks, Peepsy. All right, well, that'll do it for us this week. If you like the show, leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. How could you not? We talk about filthy shit pits. We talk about the piss and shit pit. Yeah, what's not to love? And that's that's deserving of five stars alone, right? Mm -hmm. So hit those five stars, leave us a short review. We really appreciate that. Um, You can support us on Patreon as well at patreon.com slash podpeoplepod. Shout out to honorary pod boys Sam Simon and Zach Confer. Love and appreciate you guys as always. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at podpeoplepod and at letterbox.com slash podpeoplepod where you'll find a list of all the films we've talked about on the show with our average ratings and links to those reviews. You can follow me on Twitter at some spooky snake, and I actually have another quick plug to add to this as well. Um, I am going to be trying a little experiment, um, and I am going to... Uh, be doing a uh, monthly Spooky Saturday stream on Twitch where I'm going to play some spooky horror games and uh, you can come hang out and and watch that. Um, So the first one is going to be on Saturday, August 13th, um, which is, if you're listening to this when it comes out, not this weekend, but next weekend. And it'll be at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, um, I'm going to be playing the new, uh, not the new, uh, the Blair Witch uh, game that came out a few years ago. Oh, cool. I just uh, the Bloober Team. Yes, the Bloober the Team. That, actually. The Bloober Team Blair Witch. Um, so I'm going to be playing that. Uh, and so you can follow me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash snake, um, And I'll post reminders on uh, our Twitter and mine as well about this. So, uh... 
I'm not expecting a lot of people since this, this yeah, show doesn't get to to many people. But hey, if uh, if a few people pop in and hang out, it'll be a good time. Um, we'll yeah. we'll do a few of these and see if uh, see if folks like it. So uh, that's it for me. Well, uh, you can follow my shitter pitter on Twitter <laughs> at Mister Sheets. I'm occasionally tweeting for Light Arc Studios. We put out progress on its stairs back. Uh, you can also find my work on just generally on DreadXP.com, uh, amongst all the many games we're working on, including um, Mortuary Assistant, which uh, is out August second, which should be very soon. That will be uh, that'll already be out when this comes out. Wow! Go get it. What are you waiting for? Go check out Mortuary Assistant. I did some QA on it, and uh, yeah, I just love and you know, of course, work for the publisher. So it's uh, yeah, it's an amazing, it's an amazing game. I would highly recommend it. Um, people have been absolutely clamoring for it, uh, and then. Uh, we've got, uh, all sorts of other things coming up as well. I'm, uh, I would, I would name more specifics, but I'm having trouble remembering which ones we've announced yet. Um, and I don't want to break my NDA. <laughs> uh, you can also no, find my work that. on ArtStation under Cleveland Mosier. I have lots of cool art there. That is it from me. Have a wonderful night. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks for listening. It's been a long day, so why don't you ease your tired bones by slipping into a nice, lukewarm, piss and shit pit. <laughs>